Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. I'm inspired to write because of you. Well, I mean, not just because of you, but today I'm inspired to write because of you. Is this, is this, should we be saving this for the podcast too, or are we doing We it? are. We're on. We're okay. on, man. That's how we roll. We know intros. We don't do the intros. That's Danny right. Bland is here. But he needs to know that. Um, Tour manager, poetic genius, novelist. I hear, uh, I hear that a bit, you know, like you inspired me to write. Yeah. It's, it, I think it's like, uh. When someone makes it look easy, and they're like, oh shit, yeah. or, or more, it's more like, well, fuck, I can do that. So you know, specifically, it's because <laughs> I'm lo- lost between like the desire to write a memoir and the desire to write something fictional. And listening to your book, I was just like, I'm writing something fictional. This is so much of a better way to go <laughs> because it is clearly uh, personal and. In, you know, not entirely fictional, and it's just like it's so complicated when you try to write a memoir of like just memories and people, and it just involves real life characters. It's just you gotta you gotta remember it first of all. Yeah, and I don't I don't know you that well, but I bet you have <clears throat> I bet you have uh, some issues with memories <laughs> stop, of certain parts stop of your right life. There, some <laughs> issues. Period. <laughs> but uh, um, so. Yeah, and then you have to, and then you have to involve other people, right? So, um, and and you know, uh, not being a snitch is important. Uh, so I figured, you know, I'll snitch on myself as much as I yeah. choose in this book, right? And uh, and then I'll and then I'll take all the other characters and I'll compile people, so they're not sure exactly who I'm snitching on, you know. So even right. people who I do snitch snitch on, and and you know, I know. The ones that are still alive, yeah, I'm still friends with them, so they know right. who they are, and right. and and uh, and uh, you know, I check, you know, I make sure that no one's gonna go to jail for the things I said, right? <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know, I have written like a thousand pages attempting a memoir before, and it's just it's a it's just a mess of something I can't think about publishing really. The yeah, I mean, you know, people like, you know, Lanigan's memoir. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, I don't know, um, I don't know if there's any legal hassles to be had, but, you know, certainly, certainly uh, some some musicians were angered by it. I mean. Oh, a Liam Gallagher. Who, who gives a crap, of course. Liam Gallagher came after him on Twitter or something. <laughs> they had a Twitter war. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. yeah. Liam Liam put out like an actual like put up shout up or put up to Lanigan after the book came out. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, that's the kind but of press. That's kind of the press you Mark want. Was going exactly. Off on him too. And that's the kind of and that's the kind of uh, uh, boxing match we want to see. Yes. Exactly. I hope they do it. Ah, it's too late now. It's it, well, Lanigan. I guess he moved to Ireland. Uh, he's. I think he's ultimately he's going to go to, Port, to Portugal. Oh, is that but right? But he's in Ireland right now. And I was talking to uh, Greg today. 
And he, because uh, I'm interviewing you, and right. I was like, hey, I'm interviewing Danny Bland tonight. <laughs> he goes, ask him about the Beatles. <laughs> what does that mean? I didn't even ask him what that means. I just said, okay. Well, <clears throat> he, I've never, I don't like the Beatles. I, I, you know what? I kind of had an assumption that that's where this and, was going to go. And that's not that's not an, that's not even an interesting tidbit, you know, because a right. lot of people don't. Not a I, lot, but there I, are a few. I never even bring it up anymore because I, I because people really want to argue. People are passionate about it. I'm not. Right. Like my my dislike for the for the Beatles is not a passionate thing. It's, it's just so it's, extreme. You don't even. It's not even passionate. No, that's the thing. It's like I can't get passionate about it. I can't get. Um, I can't understand why they're touted as such a great thing. I mean, they're. But but mostly these days, I don't. I don't bring it up because it's just the most honky thing to do in 2021 is to discuss the Beatles. Right. Like I can't even. I can't even stomach it. Anymore. I can't believe you just referenced 2021 so casually. Just like that. barely. Like just you're ba- already there. It's like in 2021. I caught myself. First podcast Man. of the year. And Congratulations. By the, by the way, that's John Lennon in a mask. Sure is. So there you go. I. Uh, um, so we are Beatles fans here, but you're still welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and again, like we'll just forward the hate mail to Danny. Do that. <laughs> Into it, I won't read it either. It'll be great. The um, yeah, and and but I have never, I had to the point where like I didn't grow up in like a musical family, mm-hmm. and like my dad listened to country radio, country radio, and we didn't even have a stereo until until I bought my own when I was a teenager. So we had like Glenn Campbell records laying around and all that stuff. So I have never even I had never even heard an entire Beatles song in my life. I'm quick to turn it, quick to turn the station, quick to leave the wedding reception, quick to leave the casino or wherever I am whenever they start one. So I've never heard one in its completion. Still? Still. Are you kidding? <laughs> and, and and so this and this <laughs> wait till McCartney takes him on as tour manager. This drives <laughs> people insane. This drives duly insane. And and right. so uh I can't even remember where we we were somewhere on tour. I think we were in a European country. And uh, um I'm sitting in the dressing room doing something. And he's and then I look up and he's charging at me holding his laptop open. <laughs> With something playing, yeah, and it, <laughs> it falls on top of me, and and all of a sudden it's over. And he says, "There, you've heard a Beatles song." And wow, I'm like, that's "No, funny. I didn't hear anything except for me screaming, <laughs> glass falling all over the place, and then him sitting on top of me, forced me to listen to this something that was really short, I assume, but I, right. I didn't actually hear it." So, well, are you a know. Rolling Stones guy? That's exactly why, yeah. because I, I have this. Uh, <clears throat> Affinity for the uh, well, Stones. no, it's more of a gang affiliation thing. Like I, I feel like you can only be one or the other. It's it, it's extreme and it's ridiculous. I agree with yeah. that. No, I I'm disagree. not a Stones guy. Can't stand it. Are you kidding? I'm, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm serious. I'm both. Yeah, I, I'm, I go both ways. <laughs> that's that's understood. <laughs> but the uh, so I have I have like, and it, it's it's more than just Beatles and Stones. But I have like I, I feel like y- you choose your gang and you should stick with them, and it's a, so it's a gang affiliation thing. I'm the same way with the uh, the Munsters and the Adams family. Right. 
Uh, I'm the same way with Which Cal- one do you like? Adam's family. Of I'm course. monsters. See, I don't, I don't know the monsters. I'm not trying to be disagreeable. I just am. <laughs> that's the one I think of is, you know. Well, and to take it even a step further, like I just wrote, in, speaking of writing, I just wrote an article about this, uh, uh, um, a, a, a couple, a compatibility quiz mm-hmm. that I figured out over the years for relationships for a relationship yeah it's for couples Uh so if you meet someone in a bar i need this (laughs) it's easy i'll I'll just run it down for you right now okay good so you meet somebody and of course this would be in a a post-covid situation uh um say you meet a nice lady or fella or whatever you're looking for in a laundromat or at a bar and you want to cut through you want to cut through all the conversation. You just want you want to, or or you want to you want before you start the conversation. You want to you want to get a few facts. So, the uh, the quiz is three questions. They're either or. You can't say both, and you can't refuse to answer a question. <laughs> I love this. This is perfect. <laughs> and the first question is well. First of all, the, the questions appear to be um, just uh, corny um, popular culture questions, but in fact, there's a deeper meaning revealed in all of them, which we'll discuss after you take the quiz. Okay. So the first question is: Beatles or the Stones? <laughs> That's tough for me. Beatles. <laughs> I'm going Stones. I had a feeling that you were going to answer that. <laughs> I have to. I mean, okay. I love the Beatles, though. Love, love, but I got to go Stones. And the second question is Mortician Gomez or Herman and Lily? I'm going Herman and Lily. Okay. And I don't know Herman and Lily. That's the Munsters. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Adams family. And then the third question <laughs> is Cowboys or Indians? Um... Indians. Okay. Now we'll discuss what each question means. Okay. So. <laughs> what are you going? Cowboys or Indians? <laughs> I always loved the last of the Mohicans for some reason. And I like the Indian aspect of it. So I'm, I would go Indians. Going Indians. Indians. Okay. So the first question, it's not a musical taste question at all. Mm-hmm. It's a sexual compatibility question. Wow. So. If you choose, if you're lucky enough to receive the stones as your answer, <laughs> then you're get, then you're about to experience a you know like a a, a primal, evil, <laughs> hair pulling, back scratching, uh, uh, you know, neighbor annoying, probably the uh, maybe the authorities being called at the end of the evening sort of mm-hmm. experience because that's what. The music that see you answer this question, yeah. whether you know it or not, you answer this question with your crotch, not with your brain, mm-hmm. and so that's what you're about to experience. Now, if you get the Beatles as your answer, then mm-hmm. it's like I don't know, butterfly kisses and hand holding mm-hmm. or some shit like that. I don't right. know because right. I would never do. I such have a question. <clears throat> Wait, let's get to the. Go ahead. Okay, let, go ahead. Let him go. Let him go. When you say you get the stones, does the answer need to match what you think? 
Like, uh, if in my mind I'm stones and then she answers stones, then it's what you're saying. Then, then you, but if in my mind I'm Beatles and she's Beatles, right. then... Uh, then, like I said, then you get some butterfly kisses, some hand-holding. I'm sure it's really sweet and all. Right. And I'm it's sure still you, nice. Yeah, you, right. it's good. I'm not saying <laughs> it's a wrong answer. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying it's not what I'm looking for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, the second question... Although it appears to be like, you know, because they were the, you know, the two shows, the Munsters and the Adams Family were mm-hmm. rival shows going on at the same time. Right. Back in the 60s. But it, that's a relationship question. Right. Because Morticia and Gomez had this, like, they were partners. They had, you know, their, theirs was a passionate affair. Mm-hmm. Even though they were married and they had children, their, theirs wasn't a passionate affair that uh, you know, there was, you know, there was a certain equality to what was going on. They worked together. Now you have Herman and Lily. That's an unfortunate sort of template of the lovable lummox being married to the impossibly beautiful woman who just basically cleans up after all of his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a template that's been used over and over again to this very day, like. It's it's what sitcom couples are. It, it, they're more Herman and Lily and less Morticia and Gomez, and that's a, that's unfortunate. I yeah. think. I just never really watched any Adams Family, so my <laughs> my memory only goes to the Munsters because I do remember watching reruns of that. And these questions are really only for older like people, older right? people, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just thinking that, and that's well, that's another thing. If someone doesn't know who the Adams family or the Munsters are, or right. they don't recognize those names, and they are, you probably shouldn't be talking to them. Anymore. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> Mal, you tell me. <laughs> and the third question mm-hmm. is a morality question. And if you chose cowboys, then I just don't know what to say to you. I right. mean, you're an amoral fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You went with cowboys, right? No. No, I went oh, with Indians. We, all, we all went with Indians. Thank God. I, thank, God. Yeah. <laughs> thank God I was, clo- I was close to saying cowboys. <laughs> you kind of don't want to think about these. You don't want to think about these questions too much either because you could psych yourself out of your gut instinct and that's mm-hmm. what we're going for like right i'm trying to in three questions i'm trying to dissect your core mm. to see if i still want to be your friend yeah how did you come up with this years and years of research yeah where'd you write the art what where'd you write the article uh i just wrote it for a a, a lit magazine that my uh friends in tucson uh brian smith and his wife maggie are putting out and i don't know the title of it oh, okay but i'll Shout out send Brian and Maggie. Send, send me a link. I would love to read that. <laughs> it's, it's basically what I just told you, but in, in a thousand word form. <laughs> so do you write every day, basically? Or what's your, what's your writing schedule like? No. Um, you know, I don't really... It's, it's, it, that's a, an odd question in, in pandemic times, right? Because right. you would think... And, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this is that you would have all of a sudden it's like, I have nothing to do mm-hmm. if you have a job like you and I have where, you know, our job is to is to assemble large amount of people in small rooms um, that that you would have nothing but time for creative pursuits. Right. But for some reason, uh, I think a lot of people just aren't because we're in this. We're just in a, a, an unknown, insane world where no one's quite comfortable with what's going on. So, right, like a malaise. Yeah, 
and I haven't, um, you know, like back in March, I would have thought, well, sh- if I knew that I wasn't going to be doing anything this long, but there's, a, there's that constant not knowing what's, what's about, what's going to, or what's ahead of us. It's our goddamn president. Like not, I, <laughs> like I'm so addicted to the, you know, the America TV show mm-hmm. in, in, in not missing a single minute of what's going on in the news and everything like that. It's hard to, it's hard to write, but, um, uh, and that that is kind of why that's kind of how I started writing haiku, right? Because I I, I finished um, when I was writing um, the novel when I was writing the novel in case we die, I was it, it was more I was more driven to write it. Like um, there uh, there's a lot there was my reasons were it was more than just to write a book because. That's what I wanted to do. I, like I wanted this story to be told. I wanted it to be done. I wanted it to be out quickly because I knew how I knew how short everyone's memories were. And if if the story if if the story of In Case We Die is it, um, seems to be my story, it, in fact, it's not. It's more of Amy Ferris's story, and she passed away in 2010. And I just wanted to I wanted to write my story i wanted to mix in her story and and that i was driven to do it so i wrote every single day and i knew that uh even if even i mean i was on tour um so i would so i had to you know i had to write in hotels i had to write backstage i i just made the time to put something on paper every day i was driven to do that when i finished the book and handed it off to you know nice editors and publishers then all of a sudden I had nothing to do and I hadn't uh and I would and I had withdrawals mm-hmm. so that's when I just started posting a haiku there's a there's a writer exercise they where they write a haiku a day for a year mm. and I just started posting them on Facebook but I didn't uh I didn't say, "Hey, I'm going to write a, um, you know, hey guys, I'm about to write a, a, a haiku day for a year." I just started putting them up there without explaining them, and they sound pretty insane mm. if you don't realize if, it's if you don't haiku. know it's a haiku. It took it took people a while to figure out that's that's what I was doing, and it, uh, on Facebook in particular, I still have never really explained. You don't put like hi, don't you put like haiku number seven or something like that? Now, now I do, but yeah, but the, in, in the, but it's been years. Like uh, I, you know, I, I set out to do it once, uh, one a day for a year, and then two and a half years later, before I took a day off. Wow! And and you know, and in that 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 first two and a half years are, are the ones that were that were uh, put together for uh, the book. I apologize in advance for the awful things I'm going to do with. That had uh, the Greg Dooley photos, right? Uh, so, um, and, which, and, by the way, on Amazon is going for nine hundred dollars. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> he said well, he, he told me he named your other the the next one. Yeah, yeah. I got I got the um, we shouldn't be doing this. I got that from a conversation with Greg too. <laughs> that's a good. He's he's good with the names. The uh, shout um, out Greg. Shout out Greg. Amen. The. Uh, uh, but yeah, for nine hundred dollars, I saw. I think I think there's. A, I think on hardcover, yeah. but you should just republish it. And if there's that much of a demand, 
It's impossible to get anywhere. Well, I think you can still find it in some, some stores, but uh, uh, on Amazon, once something goes out of print or comes close to being out of print, then they automatically put, they throw a couple up there for insane amounts of money. Like I've seen, I saw, the first time I saw an, one of those on Amazon, it was for $1,700. Uh-huh. That's so, crazy. So yeah. Now it's a steal, half price, yeah. 900 <laughs> But uh, um, you can still find them around. Uh, I don't. I only have one, but but they're around. I. It's like, how did you stick to the discipline of haiku? You never wanted to like write longer poems, or you never did. No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't even really know how I started with that. It, it um, l- like there's something about haiku that is that is that's punk rock for me. Like because the because. You know, in in the traditional like Ramon style punk rock song, there there are rules like there you know you you can't play you can't write a song that's over three minutes long or two minutes or long most five of the time. Chords or, or, in yeah, it. exactly. And there's so there's something there's something appealing to that uh, about that to me. And but then there's also the anarchy of what goes on inside of those syllables. Like you have five syllables, seven, and then five more. But within the within that structure, anything can happen, like grammar be damned, subject matter be damned, and, and as long as you can form a cohesive thought, right, then then all all bets are off, and so that's appealing to me. Those are the only rules: is the syllables. Well, I mean, there that would the be for rules are different. For your, well, for your non words. for your non traditional ones, like there there if if you if you you know if you're reading the traditional haiku uh, discipline, then then seasons of the year. There's something of, yeah. Like there needs that. to be something about nature in there, and then and then or or a word or a phrase that hints to what season it is. Who like made that shit up originally? <laughs> Some old Japanese guys. Henry Haiku. <laughs> Henry Haiku thought of but it. But it's yeah. so weird because it's this notion that yeah. there are rules, but there really are no rules. Yeah. Like you could just do that without calling it a haiku and just come up with your own rules. S- somewhere somewhere and, where along the line, I learned it the other way, which was the non-traditional way. And, and, uh, um, and those are your rules. And... Those are the rules. Right. So, what are you doing in New York? I am here because you live in Seattle, right? I do. Yeah. I sh- we. I'm here. Um, Steve Earle and the band uh, who I've been tour managing are we just shot a, a segment for uh, for the Jimmy Kimmel show. Nice. Yeah. So we over at City Winery. Over at the City Winery. I got an art show up right there. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but on the second floor. I knew floor, that was you. That's me. I had to run up there to, to, to go yell at somebody. Did you see it? <laughs> I did. That's cool. I saw it. I knew that. I yeah. Said. Yeah, it was weird because obviously people don't come through town a lot and we have, we're limited to local guests, but I was filming that Steve Is that Roping. how I got the gig? Yeah, There's and then no Steve's manager was like, by the way, the tour manager is Danny Bland. I want to introduce you to him. I'm like, I know this motherfucker. And I was like, Danny, would you do the podcast? Because it's so rare that he's in town and not busy running artists all around because you're exactly. done with Steve, and then, and then here you are. Here I am. Well, in front of a picture of John Lennon. Where did you grow up? In Phoenix? Uh, well, I'm a military brat, so, oh. so, uh, and my mom is, uh, my mom's a Kiwi, so, um, uh, like, dad, dad, 
when he was youngster, had the job of guarding the American embassy in Wellington. Mm. So um, that's where they met. And, uh, and, and I was born in South Carolina, in, in Buford, South Carolina. And uh, then he ran off to, uh, to fight in Vietnam. So we went back to New Zealand. So I lived all over, wow. all over the world and, uh, um, and eventually settling down in, in Phoenix to spend my formative years before moving to Seattle. And, and what brought you to Seattle? Was it like the music scene or what? I wanted to live in the opposite of Phoenix. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. And really, I mean, the only thing I knew about Seattle music when I moved there was uh, a band that I was playing in at the time called The, the Best Kissers in the World in Phoenix. Uh, we did a show with the Young Fresh Fellows. Oh, man. I'm in a band with Scott McCoy. Really? Yeah, Arthur Buck. My ba- my band with Peter Buck and Scott plays bass in it. I went on tour with them last year. Huh. I, I, yeah. Shout out Scott. Shout out. Two years ago now. The uh, <laughs> well, whatever <laughs> time is just a blur of nothingness <laughs> now, dude. But uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, um, so yeah, that was the only band that I that was the only Seattle band besides like Heart. And I, didn't, I don't even think I knew what a Queensryche was at the time. Oh, so. my God. Love Queensryche. They're Seattle? Yeah. I didn't fucking know that. Jeff Tate, Chris DeGarmo. Woo. Love Queensryche. <laughs> <laughs> you, ever, you ever watch that metal show with Eddie Trunk? Yeah, I used to every now and then. Yeah. It's a good one. Eddie Trunk. Anyway, Queensryche was on that. But the, uh, so, yeah, when I moved to Seattle, it was really because uh, I've been on a, I was on a tour with another band earlier on, and and uh, we we played in Seattle like the first week of August, and I could wear my leather jacket, and I said, I'm going to live here one day. Just because you could wear a leather. Was, that was it? Yeah. <laughs> what year was that? That would have been uh, like 86. No, uh, that would have been like 84, and by the time I got, uh, I, by the time I moved to Seattle, it was like the summer of 87, I think. Wow, and you've lived there ever since. Yeah. Well... No, I think I, t- I had like a, I lived in Austin for a year and New Orleans in a year. I had my version of a midlife crisis like 10 years ago. I right. decided to just go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I had a midlife crisis in New Orleans too. <laughs> it's a good place to have one. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think, yeah, I don't know. I got home, I, 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 I can't remember who I was, I think I was out with the Gutter Twins actually at the time and, uh. And I got back to Seattle and just, just, I was, you know, I was hardly ever home and I was home and I was just like, I just want to leave. And, and, and the places I wanted, the places I thought would be good to live were Austin and New Orleans and New York. And like, I knew, I knew somebody in, in Austin who had a, who had a, a room ready for me at the house. Mm-hmm. The rent was nothing. So I went. And then it was just so fucking hot. <laughs> and then I moved to New Orleans, and it was still hot, but it was. But New Orleans isn't really America, so it makes more sense. Yeah, it's a totally new world. <laughs> it's a different place for sure. I loved it there. Let's talk about your midlife crisis in New Orleans. Well, I was there uh, like early two thousands, and I was making a record actually with Mike Napolitano. I don't know. Do you know him? Sure. 
He just texted me today too, at randomly out of the blue, like because uh, he's sending me a book or something like that. But maybe it's your book. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> would be like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so so I lived over Checkpoint Charlie's on Decatur and Esplanade. I went there when when Dave Rosser lived there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to hang out there too. That's after I lived there. Then when Rosser li- took over the nappy dugout <laughs> yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and then greg has the r bar and all that yep. that's a nice have you ever stayed there yep oh yeah that's a nice spot and uh it was great you know made i made a couple good records there and almost bought a house but then got out of a record deal and didn't buy the house so you stayed yeah. there that entire time how long were you there that was a couple of days what he described <laughs> no like about a, i guess like a little you know like six months to a year yeah. or something like that on and off but in different times you know yeah i, I wasn't really a midlife crisis but i it was definitely a crisis i would love i mean i, I like the fact that i live there i think i, I think it would have been better if, Maybe if I just saved it for a place to visit, because it's yeah. nice to have a place to. I mean, people people make that mistake, right? Like they go they go on vacation to Hawaii, and they decide they're going to live there. Mm-hmm. But then, where do you go for vacation after that? So I, I think that was my mistake. I should just save New Orleans for vacations. So, do you have like any siblings? I have a, a sister, a younger sister. Yeah. You hear that noise? It's the yeah, it's, it's the, the, the pipes, the ghosts in the pipes for. Yeah. It's it's for a minute, once an hour. And and are your folks still alive, or are they go? Uh, mom's still alive. Dad passed away probably twenty years ago now. But oh. uh, um, my sister is a writer. She she writes for the uh, for the Arizona Republic. She's a journalist. Oh, okay. And what they think of your book? <laughs> uh, mom, um, she she said. She liked it. She read it really fast at first because she was very concerned how I was how it was going to turn out for me. Mm-hmm. But then she read it again slower, and she said, "She's." Then she said, "I was a good writer." Once she when she read slower, that's great. So she wasn't like traumatized by the content of it. <clears throat> well, that that's another plus about writing it, you know, in as a fictionalized memoir because she. She, I'll leave it up to her to guess what's true and what's not. Right. And I never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever answer that question. You know, if someone said, picked out a particular incident and said, "Is this true?" Right. Then I would, I wouldn't. But so you know, she. But for my mom, uh, she still won't acknowledge that I have tattoos. So she just, she doesn't see the things she doesn't want to see. Right. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> You went on the hands. Is that yeah. is that more recent? Uh, I feel like I saw an interview with you without the on the hands, or has that a, been for like, a long time? It's been probably at least five to seven years, I think. It's been a while. I want to do that. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> it looks cool, I think. I mean, you know, once you get them on your hands, then... What's like, left? Well, you know, I mean, I guess... Well, the face. You know, the mom, the mom, and you would say, "Well, you know, that's it. Like, what are you? You're not going to be able to get a real job now." It's like, well, real fi- jobs don't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, and I'm 57 years old. I'm <laughs> way past getting a real job. That's funny. So, are you working on 
a follow up novel or are you are you or do you think you're like one and done with that? No, I am I am working on uh I'm working on a sequel in fact. Right. And uh um and even though the you know as I was discussing the first the first part of the uh quarantine, first part of pandemic times, I didn't write shit. Um I was I have been working on that quite a bit in the last few months. Yeah. So um, I and I have no idea like if I'm halfway done or what I haven't done a word count. <laughs> so you've been just doing the same yeah. thing like every day I have to write something whether it's I'll a get, sentence I'll write or five hundred words. Or, yeah, and or even like even even jotting down some ideas or or, or what I used to I used to do, um, in driving the van on tour, especially if I was driving myself. Like if I drive, just drive me in the gear someplace in the van and the band flies in that was a great place to start to go over to do dialogue in your you know to do dialogue in your head so i just recorded on my phone mm. and uh, um so i've been doing if if i don't actually sit down and write 500 words then i'll then i'll record i'll sort of play out a conversation on on the phone and i'll just try to contribute something to it every day yeah right so, like, sometimes you'll just, like, record, like, what a conversation sounds like, or you make up one? I would or? just make, I would, yeah, I would make it up or, uh, and, and just see how, it, see how it plays out. I mean, that, that's kind of the test of your, of your writing anyway, right? Like, you can write, but it's when you read it out loud, when you can, when you're like, oh, is this really my voice or not? You, you know, I mean, right. people are searching for their voice. And that's the thing I hear most about my book. Like, I can definitely tell this is you, this is you who wrote this book. Like, right. Uh, um, so yeah, so, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll play out dialogue that, that way. Like, uh, like uh, I had a, a recently had a, co- I did a, co- I had a conversation. Now I don't speak Spanish or, um, but uh, they in the, in the, in the book, Charlie and a, 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 pr- a person who's working the front desk of a shitty motel have a conversation and uh, they don't understand each other. So really, it's just Charlie's part of it that I was playing out mm-hmm. on the on the uh, on the recording. Yeah, that is accentuated the whole that that's your voice by the fact that you have different narrators because <laughs> it's still stay like you still stay with the story on the audiobook version, right? On the audiobook. Yeah, that was uh, that was the. I, you know, the I just figured that um, uh, you know at the time it's like, well, you have to do an audio book, or uh, you know that's what uh, that's what we were told, and I just figured that uh, that that I should just call in a bunch of favors because who's who's going to want to hear me read it? Although I do read the last one, uh, but um, and it was fun. It was fun to get to get all my get Dooley and Dave Alvin and. Steve Earle and all my pals to Duff McKagan, Duff McKagan and Lanigan. <laughs> yeah. All and, the heavy hitters and from some Seattle. Pe- and some folks I didn't know, you know like, uh, like, um, uh, like Greg, uh, was talking to Donal Logue and had, and right. brought him in to read one. We've been pals ever since or, or, uh, or, uh, Boone, you know, from the sons of anarchy. He read right. one and, or, or Amy Mann, like these, those are people Mike I didn't McCready really know. was Mike on McCready. there too. Also Seattle. I, I hate listening because I'm going to forget somebody, and it's going to be they're oh, going, they're going to be mad. Are, those are, uh, well, Amy Mann, you said, yeah. 
So oh, what? Mark Maron. Mark, Mark, oh, that's Maron. a good one. Yeah, Did yeah. you go on his podcast? Uh, Dave Alvin went on, was uh, one of the early musical guests on there. So, right. Yeah, and I've always been a fan. So. Me too. Uh, I was on it once, a long time ago. Last year. <laughs> Last long time. So what, what's the plan for how we get like refocused in these times? Because I have that same feeling, and I've had like some success with creative ventures as well. It hasn't been just like I'm like a blob on the couch. I mean, but I do know that melee's thing and that weird confusion of time. But like I'm trying... I'm asking this because my plan, I'm just moved to Brooklyn. Yeah. And I'm planning on kind of like tomorrow starting in like a, a new, new life, a new life, <laughs> a new regime, you know, like give up the vape and start running again. I, I've only taken like two weeks off of running, but like, let know. me ask you, did you have a podcast before the pandemic? Yeah. Okay. Didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just it, checking. We started 2019, uh, okay. June. Uh-huh. This is like the hundred and what episode? 112, I think. Um, yeah. But and we kept it running all throughout the pandemic. We managed. We banked a few prior to the pandemic. Because right. I was getting ready to go on tour with Dooley for two and a half months. Yeah. So we banked like four episodes, and then we dropped those once a week. And then in June, we kind of resumed when f- people felt comfortable sitting. We sat outside yeah. first, but we kept the quality. That was what was important to us. Is And you're, I mean, you're lucky you live in New York, so exactly. you have access to interesting people, mm-hmm. or at least a lot of people yeah. <laughs> in a concentrated it's area. It's been hard booking guests. It would be hard it. if you lived in Seattle. I mean, you could, you could, run, out of, you could run out of people much, much yeah. quicker. Well. We've had a lot of comedians. the co- The comedy scene in New York. Is I saw huge. that. I was. I was. Yeah. I was doing a little research. My damn self. Right. Right. It's a lot of comedy. So what do we do to get rid of the melees? Because you wake up early. I heard, like seven in the morning. Is yeah, that right? and and lately it's even been earlier. Really, but I need to start. I want to start that. I want to get military like. And and I don't know. It's that is that's just something that happened naturally. I think it might. Uh, I don't know. Like. Some people say it's it's just an old person thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel that old, but the uh, um, so I get up at seven, and and I and I've turned into a runner since the pandemic started, just because there's for lack of anything else to do, right? And 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 no more gyms, so I gotta gotta figure out something. Um, and then maybe yeah, I don't know if uh, like I I feel like I have a rigorous schedule, even when I'm not doing anything, right? Um, and far too much, you know, far too much obsessing about uh, politics. Like, yeah, I had to. Tu- I had to up. tune out. I, I, there's I nothing tune. else going on but politics. Right, so I you tune. just sink into it. There's no. Choice. That's a good. I mean, I, you know, in what I do, like when when I'm when I decide I'm going to write, like I'll, I'll just pick out a couple hours in the day and try to keep it. Try to keep it consistent and then turn off everything. Like I will just turn off the, you know, I will turn off the Wi-Fi signal. Like it's not right. even an option. And that way, if if for some reason I'm overpowered by I got to get on Twitter, then I feel that proper sense of shame having gone back. Right. It, it within my allotted two hours of writing time or whatever. I so put, do you have a morning routine? Um. Is it like get up and then go on a run and then yeah. write right away? No, I, I write in the afternoon sometimes. No, nothing, um, nothing. 
you're right. I need to get, I need to get better. I need to get more stringent about that. More more disciplined. That's what I don't have is discipline. I need more discipline, dude. So to- it, I totally is it do. Danny Bland's short and sneakers like on the <laughs> run. Like I'm having a hard time picturing that. Uh, over there. I, <laughs> I can see him as a runner. I run with I the braids and the tats, and the, tats it looks and the cool shorts and the sneakers. Well, well, I look like I look more like I've the, only seen him in this mode. <laughs> I look like the Unabomber more right. when I'm running, <laughs> and, and, and I don't I don't own any shorts oh, at okay. all. Okay, so you run with jeans. I, I own several <laughs> pair of shorts, and I'm proud of it. I don't own any shorts. I've never heard a Beatles song in its entire life. Uh, <laughs> so that could be a part of your test, like shorts or pants. And if anyone picks shorts, they're no, just... Well, out. see, no, because that's that's like, that's just, that's just for, that's a test just for guys. You're like, right, that's I true. Like, but, I, you know, I, I do have friends who wear, who wear shorts a lot, and it's just like, I need to get you some grown-up pants. Yeah. Let's get you in some grown-up pants, huh? <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was on tour with Peter Buck. He w- like I would I would wear shorts, and he wouldn't even let me sound check his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wouldn't even let me sound check. It's well, wearing shorts on stages that's unacceptable. Except and, for if you're in the Grateful Dead and you're Bob Weir. No, unless you're Malcolm, <laughs> unless you're Angus Young, Angus Young there's no excuse yeah. for wearing really? shorts on stage. Period. Yeah. How about barefoot on stage? No, big no, no. Man, if if we didn't have to, if we didn't have to socially distance, I would have jumped on you. For saying <laughs> that. So, who inspires you? <sighs> like writing wise, I like uh, I like Harry Cruz a lot. Mm. I like uh, um, uh, Jerry Stahl quite a bit. Permanent Midnight. Yeah. yeah, he wrote. A, he's written a bunch of books, but that, that's his. That's his first one, and uh, but it's weird, you know. He looks a lot like Ben Stiller. I'm just kidding. That's a dumb joke. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and uh, my favorite book is uh, is this book called Coming Through Slaughter by Michael Andanche. Uh huh. Coming Through Slaughter. Yeah. That sounds like my life recently. It's a great book. It's a great New Orleans book. It's a great really? music book. Yeah. Come, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. I will send you one. I need to start reading. That's the other thing. Well, <laughs> uh, and that's hard to get back into because when, <laughs> yeah. when I was writing, when I was writing the novel, I, I didn't watch any TV and I didn't read any books because that's where I figured that's where my, that's where, that's where my brain went, uh, you know, for leisure time, so yeah. I had to eliminate that and just sort of concentrate on writing. That's and so I didn't smart. want—I didn't want to be influenced by anything. Well, you also in that you reset your endorphins because you're not getting any endorphin hit from any of these easy ways, and then that and that makes you have to do the creative work to get the endorphin hit. I'm so glad you pointed that out to me. Because your brain must get the endorphin. So if you eliminate, that's the thing with discipline. If you eliminate the easy endorphin hits, you know, whatever, porn, TV, this, that, the other, then you have to strive harder and you create more. I think in, uh, um, yeah, in quarantine, like speaking of porn, like in quarantine, and I don't know if you've experienced this or if it's just me or, or any of your listeners, but I don't even go look at internet porn because I'm bored with it. Right. And I can I remember that feeling from when I worked at a porno shop 
you know, the, the same one that's in, in the book, In Case We Die. Yeah. I throw that in every once in a while so people can go look for it. Uh, there, that was a, you know, and I was, tw- you know, I was in my 20s at the time. And then, and, and just having it, having such easy access to it at a time when we didn't have it in our back pockets all right. the time. Like, I got bored of it. And right. What a strange, what a strange feeling. Something that you, you know, something as something forbidden that you just totally sought out as a child be, becoming bored of it all of a sudden. Right. Something that's meant to spike your endorphins like nothing else right. when it no longer does that. Where You're do you truly, go? yeah, where do you <laughs> go from there? You got to get religious or not religious, but you got the only place to go from there is to discipline is to the other extreme. The, uh, but you're, but not only are you right about the endorphins, but you're also making me think about what I have to, how I have to restructure my life. Not, you know, you're moving to Brooklyn. You have to restructure. I, I'm going to go home tomorrow and I have to restructure too. Cause I, I do feel like I'm wasting a lot of this mm-hmm. precious, um, quarantine time and it's going to be over one of these days right and i'm gonna miss it yeah <laughs> i know i heard you say you're like secretly enjoying it to a degree and i i have felt well, similar we both have said that i yeah. felt similarly I like some of it you know it was just a gift all that time yeah it, depending on how you look at it but it was a gift it was well, i mean it is like i i was i got lucky you know, as far as like like people in the music business, like I had been wor- I had been working so much for the last like five years before this happened, and and uh, so I've been on tour like probably three hundred days a year for for four or five years, and uh, so I I was making a bunch of money. I wasn't able to spend it, and I, I'm a. I have a ridiculous ridiculously low overhead. I don't have like a car payment and. I don't. I don't do a lot of grown-up things. Don't so, buy any shorts. So, so yeah, I don't buy, Seattle's expensive. My, though. Yeah, my, my shorts. You know, my short budget is almost nothing. <laughs> Rent in Seattle <laughs> though is, isn't a joke. Yeah, but at that point, <sighs> is Seattle's not your home really? At that point, when it's, it's just a, some apartment you have your stuff in. It's a nice place for my books to stay. Right. Yes, uh, but so I had a like when this when this started i had a grown-up size savings account so i really wasn't worried i figured i could do a few months mm-hmm. no problem and then living uh, then the quarantine lifestyle was much cheaper than i even imagined like just not going just not going out and doing things all of a sudden it's like shit i can stretch this out for years right right <laughs> cook for yes. myself and so I'm good yeah so you know other than you know other than uh being, uh, you know, like I like the isolation. I like being a, a now, you know, after a few months, like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, this is, this is what lonely feels like. Okay. Right. All right. I reckon, uh, I've heard about this. <laughs> people write songs, but, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're stuffed in a van or a tour bus or a plane with people all the time, you don't really feel lonely. Right. <laughs> I mean, people say that like, even in a room, in a crowded room, I was still lonely. I, I I don't, weren't. Know, I don't know about that one. That's why you don't get the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's like that, isolation. Is that a Beatles lyric? Uh, Shit. What, when did you get into tour managing? How did that happen? So you were like in the porn shop, uh, went from porno to touring. <laughs> I have, 
see, I was in a, in in a bunch of punk rock bands yeah. when I was a kid. So right. back to Seattle in the eighties, please. Well, this is in, in Phoenix, you know. So and and uh, when I was in this band called Catbutt, when I first moved up to Seattle, we did a big tour with L Seven in nineteen eighty eight. I think it was uh, uh, where we both both bands were stuffed into a one of those air porter vans and uh, um and i realized i didn't even know it was a job but i was a tour manager for for all my bands and every tour i ever did just because <laughs> i was the responsible one <laughs> what's even, your sign i'm a leo okay i always think organized people are virgos so i was hoping you'd say virgo but well i'm a i'm a i'm a real leo so i don't know about other people's signs <laughs> okay just my own right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Leo's either. I'm a Libra, same as John Lennon. So you were you were the most organized one, and so you started doing that. Yeah, and you know I was you know I was passing out to, you know two or three or four dollars for in cigarette money to everybody each day. You know I was passing out PDs before I knew what they were called. Right, and it, I was just the one who did it. And what were you in the band for? Everybody what? in the, their PDs or per diems, per diems, um, money per day. I was generally a bass player, bass player and occasionally okay. in the guitar player when, like in Capit, I was a guitar player, but uh, I, uh, um, and <clears throat> then I, uh, I was playing in the Dwarves and um, decided that I had, um, uh, let's see, I had uh, made a bunch of records and I had toured all over the world and I had done everything that I wanted to do and I was just, I was thinking about retiring because... And then I realized that really my favorite part of going on tour uh, was uh, collecting money at the end of the night. So <laughs> I, I figured, wait, this is this is my calling. Mm-hmm. I've just been a musician just just so I could tour manage. Right. And uh, um, then my uh, I was uh, I was newly sober at the time. I'd been sober for like well, I was sober the entire time I was in the Dwarves. But um, and I had some friends in a band called the Super Suckers. That had a uh, that had a guitar player who who suffered from a similar addiction as I did, and and the idea is like, well, you come out and tour with us and show them how to go be on sober. how to how to be sober, and I did that. And about a week into it, I got bored and I started uh, I started taking over all the tour managing duties because I had nothing else to do. And then by the time that tour was done, I was their manager manager, and so I managed a couple of bands for a while that way. That's cool. Did you yeah. stay sober the whole time? Uh-huh. No weed, nothing? Nothing. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. 29 years. And is that where you Congratulations, Greg dude. in Seattle from the whole that whole era? I actually didn't meet Greg until until much later. Like I I got recommended to those guys to be their oh. tour manager for the um Gutter Twins and we had never met until until then. Until then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we weren't old pals at I the didn't time. I that. And uh so do you know barrett martin yeah i do i just started doing a project with him he's a nut yeah i I, (laughs) i've never met him it's all like remote (laughs) like you know they're sending me tracks and then i'm singing on it and stuff Uh, like uh, that i mean nut in nut in a good way he is uh when you find someone who 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 can talk uh or speak 
poetically about something, uh, or passionately and poetic about something like he does about drums. Mm-hmm. That I, I find that fascinating. No matter what the subject is, if, you know, if you could, if you find somebody who talks, who who speaks that way, pardon my, uh, um, my vocabulary. I lost it in quarantine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've definitely become dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, anybody who could speak. To uh, to any subject passionately about it, like he's yeah. full of enthusiasm, and so and so yeah, I, f- I find that fascinating. It makes you know, it makes it makes him interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. Well, enthusiasm, I think it means full of God or something like in Latin. I don't know, like it comes. I'm saying that wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like, wait, are we speaking Latin now? I, <laughs> so it's good. Everything happens from enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and, like, and at one point he was like, "Excuse my enthusiasm." I'm like, "Dude, never! <laughs> I love it. I I think enthusiasm is a very important trait, especially for creativity. You need that. You need drive and you need enthusiasm to have that discipline." I had, uh, um, I, so, yeah, so I w- was tour managing before I knew it was a job, and then I I had a. a a few years where I was working at the Experience Music Project in Seattle. The, That's amazing. The yeah. Rock and Roll Museum there. I had a painting in there a couple of times or something. Ann Powers was like, yeah, somebody who brought me into there. And uh, the I was the I worked in the the producing the uh, doing the production for the shows uh, when they used to have shows. There's and, a good little venue in there. Yeah, that's the Jimi Hendrix Museum in Seattle for. And and but the. You know, it was one of those things. Like it was a Paul Allen thing, so there was tons of money involved. And there was, and, and the, the great thing about that place is they hired a lot of local musicians. So at least you know they they put they put us bums to work, and they gave us insurance. Man. Yeah, yeah. So so, uh, but eventually, you know, as the budget started getting slashed, you realize like, oh, okay, I, I, you know, I, I survived many round, rounds of layoffs, but I knew it was coming soon, and. Uh, my buddy from the uh, who manages X, um, the the knitters were going out on tour, and they needed a tour manager. So I got that job, and that was the first you know straight up tour managing job that I ever had. And uh, and uh, Dave Alvin's part of that group. And then you know since since that tour was in two thousand and four, and I've been Dave's tour manager ever since. So. That's great. That's kind of how I segued into this part. What's your favorite place to travel? Like Europe or you like the States or Well, I like I mean I like both. I I love like I like the weird city. Like I like I love being in Amsterdam. It's just a it's just and I love being in New Orleans. I like being in places that don't feel like America, you know? Mm-hmm. The, and and uh well, I mean obviously Amsterdam doesn't, but there is, you know, the kind of patience that you have to have to tour manage. Um, that's that's another that's another great thing about New Orleans. When we talk about it not being America, it's like if you're a tour manager and and, and you're like me, where you can be like a schedule fascist or a schedule Nazi. Like I, you know, that's our job. You know, we call them up and like, I want this, I want this, I want this. It's got to be ready then. Then you have to drop all of that shit when you go to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You just have to, you have to forget about it because they're not going to do it anyway, and you just drive yourself insane. Right. Um, and so I have to adjust my, I have to adjust my style for different places, and and I like I love, 
I love Spain for that reason because they don't care. They don't care about my blowhardiness demands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like. I love uh, all, all of you know uh, Denmark or 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 any any place in Holland. All those frozen fish eating countries. I love that shit. Yeah, it breaks you out of your like yeah tightness or something. Exactly, it pulls the board out of my ass. Have you ever like had long tours where it's been like just like a difficult person you've had to deal with, or is that every one of them? That's actually none of them. I've been really lucky. I, really? I haven't. I, I have not had to tour manage an asshole ever. I've and mostly. Well, you haven't gone on the road with me. <laughs> yeah, yet. you said. It. <laughs> I was holding my. Tongue <laughs> so Somebody I was being quiet. <laughs> I, I've been really. I've tour managed yeah. him. Oh man, oh, I've been real man. lucky. You know, I mean, I've, in a lot of times, I get to manage like, like you know, when I was. 17 years old my favorite bands in the whole world were the blasters and x and so and and i've ma- i've tour managed both of them since then and so and john reads uh, on your book too yeah right? john yeah. and uh so yeah i i let's see who are the biggest bunch of assholes i ever worked with um i did a tour and i don't know if they were really assholes but <coughs> remember that band the the hypnotics Sounds familiar. Nope. But I don't really. They were they were on Sub Pop for like one record mm-hmm. and they and uh, they were a they were big in Europe and they were not they were nothing in the States. And so I was driving around the States playing to nobody and they just could not handle that. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, they, they just they went was it they therapy went over sessions the in the van? Oh god, yeah. It, That's what I was getting at. You need like psych psychology like smarts to do that job tour managing, don't you? You, you need, ha- yeah, you have you taught you're you're a therapist, you're a babysitter, you're a, you're a um, you're a relationship counselor. Mm-hmm. See that that's probably where I developed those questions. You're a fixer. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta yeah, make things go away. <laughs> exactly, and and yeah, I mean I'm all of those things. So, but not biggest assholes. What was like your dream? Who was like one of, like a really big band, or or did you not? The I mean you were thrilled uh, to get the job. Well, like, you know, another one of my heroes, like when I was, you know, again, when I was, when I was 17 years old, I wanted to be Wayne Kramer from the MC5. And, and, and and now that I'm, you know, and when I was 50 years old, I still wanted to be Wayne Kramer. He's a different guy now, but I still idolize him. And I, you know, I tour managed the MC5 last year or for the last couple of years, actually the MC50 with Kim Thayil playing guitar and Marcus Durant singing, who's amazing. And, you know. Billy Gould and all those. It's it's uh, Brandon Canty. What what a crew! Like what a, what an amazing band, and uh, you know, <coughs> we traveled all over the world. And as tour manager, are you like front of house, just watching the show, or you're not really a, at a certain point? I'm on the side of the stage. Uh, I don't. You know, a lot of tour managers, especially these days, like like you work double duty. A lot of a lot of like front of house guys or, mm-hmm. or tour managers, and like I don't have those skills. I'm just straight up tour manager and so i tr- i usually act as like a, a tour manager slash security so i'll be on the side of the stage waiting for some shit to go down that's my that is my uh that's how i spice up a tour like once a tour they'll be like i might have to smack a guy and that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> and and also to mention with the gutter twins they brought you on and you played guitar in one of the songs that's right i needed to play guitar in one. right 
was that in the rider? No, that was <laughs> for not, you. No, 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 not 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 my choice. And and uh, um, and I am not really a musician. Although I've been in a lot of bands and I played on some records, I am I've learned, like I didn't know it at the time, but I've since learned that I'm not a musician because I've worked with lots of musicians and I realize like I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. What 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 makes you not a musician? Like. Because I don't know how to play. <laughs> but a lot of musicians don't know how to play. <laughs> so I'm a rock and roller. That's yeah, a like that's a punk, punk rocker. Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, so so I, I will accept that title. And, and a lot of times, when if I'm, doing a mu- if I'm doing an interview or someone wants to talk about books, they go, oh, you're a musician. Like, no. Now, Dave Alvin's a musician. Uh, Wayne Kramer's a musician. Not me. So did you go on a book tour when the book was done? Yeah. Did you do all that and go to do readings and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I did a reading. Here I did a reading at... Uh, Brooklyn Court, right? No, at Manitoba. I did one at Manitoba's and he one was here. at a bookstore in... Uh, um, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, yeah. I yeah. saw it. I saw like an interview there or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah. They, they film all those there. Court Street, I think. That's where I just I just moved. Well, I should sure. say. <laughs> where where do you live now? Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, went up and da- I went down the West Coast, and I came up the East Coast, and I did uh, a stop in Chicago. So what was that like? Was that like a Charles Bukowski dream coming true, or what? Uh, that was. <laughs> You know, I always think of him like just like going and being drunk at readings, and just he made it so. Seems so sort of glamorous in a debauched punk rock way when you're a teenager. Well, I, I was, um, it, it was funny because I, I started, I did my first one in Seattle at the uh, Sub Pop Silver, uh, Silver Anniversary Party. And mm-hmm. Greg read with me and I was, and it was loud in there and the, and the sound system was shit and I was terrified. Right. But not, I wasn't terrified, I wasn't like, afraid of the crowd or afraid of reading or anything like that it's like i couldn't hear anything right and it was just it was bizarre um and then i you know by the time i got by the time i got to san francisco after portland and i just started getting pretty good at it you know and then you you know it's i I imagine it's like doing like stand-up routine like you just learn you learn where to pause right and but when you're also when i'm reading my book there's funny parts but then there's also really sad parts too so and, and that was the that's the thing about being on that tour like you you read and then um and then there's a line of people to sign your books and and if once people the difference between making records and making books is that people when they read when they read your books then they really feel a part of you mm-hmm. and and when you're when you're when your book has a lot of sensitive subjects in there like suicide and drug addiction and blah, 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 then uh, it can be an emotional thing. And like there was, uh, there was, it happened a lot where people would, would come up and, and we'd start talking and they'd just start crying because someone, they had experienced someone in their life dying from suicide and, and it would just be a big long hug. And, and so it was, it was the, the fact that you had no idea that was coming at what was coming at you like like the next person was it someone who's just going to get you to sign it do they think you were funny do they like you because you were in the dwarves or whatever reason and then all of a sudden you would just get this heavy vibe from somebody who who was really touched by what you what by what you wrote so yeah, it's funny the way 
<clears throat> that art and like impersonal music does that too, where it's like it draws people in 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 this really intense way, you know. And people, you know, they need I don't know, they need to express themselves to other people and feel understood. And art and books can do that like nothing else. Yeah, it's, it's emotional because and it, they, you know, they they connected with you. And and you may have no idea that they're even they that they even exist, but they're they're there in front of you right then, you know. And, and it's it's, um, it's especially if you're talking about those kind of heavy subjects and people who lose loved ones to suicide or drugs, then um, and that often that's often that's feelings that they keep inside a lot, and then they read and they relate to, you and then they see you and. For some reason, it just all comes out, and it's, it's like it's 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 a, a responsibility of you know, for the writer too. Like you, mm-hmm. you made them cry. <laughs> you have to deal with them now. Yeah, and nowadays too, I think like drug addiction and suicide is at an all time high. Yeah, that's what, the. Yeah, I mean, I I guess the I, I can't. I was thinking about that early on. Um, in the pandemic, because I, I, you know, I think about my, you know, about my junkie brothers and sisters, and I thought, man, if you know, if if not being able to get toilet paper is an issue, imagine what it's like to get heroin right now. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, I, I don't know. I'm not currently close with anyone who's actively in, in that addiction in that market, but uh, but you can imagine it must be must be insane. Yeah. And just the hopelessness of life droning on in this weird Twilight Zone episode. I don't know. Life is hard enough as it is. but And also just like the fact that people don't have live music shows to go to in those kind of situations that like really are, I think, like spiritual, like spiritual medicine. I, I was thinking about that today. I took a photo of, of Steve Earle and the band while they were playing this afternoon. We that we were taping it <clears throat> and I was going to post it on social media. And I was like, I, I don't, uh, I felt like I was, like I was just bragging. Like it was just too show offy. Like, huh, I saw a band play today. That's Fuck you guys. <laughs> and I didn't do it because I was just like, it's just too, that crossed my mind. It's too much. I saw you doing that. I was yeah, like, going like, to post it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think it is though. Personally, it's yeah. like it is your life, and yeah. it's like people like to see. Though it actually gives them a glimpse of it. Uh, you know, I get where you're coming from yeah, that yeah. it could come off like that, but uh, for some reason, I felt that that today when I was gonna, I was going to post something like. Ah, That's so funny so because much. I was just singing uh, on Jesse Mallon's new record last yesterday, and I took some photos of that, and then didn't post it because i felt like oh this is like i don't want to be like that same sort of vibe yeah. but then i just posted it right before i came here <laughs> yeah i mean and if it was something i mean if it was something that i was doing i would probably do it more but it was just sort of something that i was watching i mean i yeah. i participate but the, i don't know it was something <clears throat> there was something about it that just didn't didn't feel right and, and that's I've, interesting i think yeah. restraint with posting is good yeah, it, that to have that feeling to acknowledge that maybe this th- doesn't need to go out right away is a good 
I find that like a good feeling, like when you conquer that, and I'm no, I'm not gonna post. <laughs> I then, then I just don't know what to post though, because everything can be seen as like this is my ego flexing. Like any time you express or exert yourself, there's a bit of an ego flex there. You know, uh, I I I find that if as long as I can maintain, as long as I have a sense of humor about it, then I I can sort of flex like that mm-hmm. and and you know it's funny like when i got on when i got on instagram and and really the the reason why i did any social media was because i had a book to hustle mm-hmm. back when and uh, um and and i sort of planned it out like i said okay i'm gonna get i'm gonna get on facebook and then i'm gonna uh, you know i'll wisecrack and i'll try to be charming and, and then a year from now i'm gonna have this book and i'm gonna go hey why don't you go buy this guys mm-hmm. And uh, um, <clears throat> and then I was a little late to Twitter, but but Instagram, I was looking at, at I was looking at that when I, when I when when I first okay okay I got to get on Instagram. Let me see what this is about. And then I realized, well, okay, it's it's a bunch of teenage girls posting things, and 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 so I jumped all over the the established um, uh, the established like. Uh, uh, man crush monday and woman crush wednesday so i would i would post a man crush monday every monday and i would post and i still do women crush, and then i started and then and then i uh, made up the uh, finger friday one so just someone or something having to do with the middle finger and then the guitar that and then sac- sacrilege sunday so so uh, in, yeah the nipple with the jesus in it <laughs> that shit's crazy yours is funny dude i i will say that it, it is good the <laughs> Follow him. What's what's a, the Danny Bland? Mr. Uh, so Mr. Mr. Danny, Mr. Danny Bland. Bland, and and uh, so Dave Hill follows you. Shout out Dave Hill. The uh, you know now uh, in especially in in pandemic times, the only only reason I know what day it is is because I have certain duties I have to perform on Instagram. Like you know. I well, got... the other thing is, you're, like, it literally kind of wrote two books for you, too, social media, in yeah. a way, because it was like, I'm going to do this haiku and post it, and I find it is good for that, like, yes. motivating create creativity, in a way. And Well, yeah, and then w- when I was doing them once a day, um, then if I, uh, you know, like I said, after two, I, it didn't take a day off for two and a half years, and then when I started taking a, the occasional day off, I would you know, I have these followers who give me shit like, Hey, where's our fucking haiku? Man? Right. And now I, nowadays, a, a few years ago, I started doing, I would just take, I take an album and then I would write, uh, you know, and why they're numbered now is because generally they're the, you know, I would write a haiku for each song on this record. And then when I complete the series of 12 or 13 what are, you know, however many songs are on there, then I post all of them at the same time with the album cover. And so now it turns into a game. Like you have, you have to try to figure out what album I'm currently haikuing. Oh, I get it. And, uh, uh, occasionally people will guess, but, um, and, uh, and these days, um, kind of super lazy. I'll do one like once every other day or maybe every three days, but I'll, I'll finish, you know, I'll finish this record that I'm working on right now. I'm, I'm getting into like, I, I, when I first started, I would just do all my favorite albums and then I started, and then I just, now I just take suggestions from other people. Cause just, just to present me with some sort of challenge. Do the white album. Maybe 
I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and people people are aware of my uh, of my Beatles Disdain phobia. for the Beatles, and so they 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 you know they request that all the time. And I'll, I'll I'll say just you know, send me a um, or I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally I'll post to like you know first person request first record that you send into my you know my my direct messages I'll do uh uh no beatles and nothing related to queens of the stone age please um why yeah. not queens of the stone age well there's you know because then you have there's a million side projects attached to all of that stuff and and a lot of a lot of uh testosterone attached to to that desert rock yeah, you're yeah, not into I it. I don't feel like it. Yeah, we interviewed Dave Catching on the podcast. See, 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 he would be the exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. he yeah he's a, he's he's amazing. <laughs> Mojave Lords. Shout we out went Dave. We, we went out there. Yeah, we went to a studio. Yeah, and Lanigan, yeah. which is kind of uh, Queens of the Stone Age for a minute. For a minute, yeah, yeah. I've done some I've done some Lanigan records on that. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, I did um, Bubble Gum. I did uh, whiskey for the Holy Ghost. I think I did do bubblegum. A bunch, yeah. How long does a haiku take you? Um, generally, you know, it, it's, it's especially when you're doing it for a song. Like I'll, I'll listen to it, and then, or or maybe sometimes I'll just read read the lyric and 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 I I'd never want to do it exactly you know, uh, on the subject matter or have anything to do with, you know, I would never repeat a line from, from a song, but, um, but the interesting thing about songwriting is like, you can, you can look at a song and then, and then start try to figure out why they wrote this song or maybe what was going on in their lives while this, while they were writing this song Mm -hmm. and come up with something interesting or turn it back on yourself. Like what is like, if, if it's a, if it's an album that I'm really familiar with, like what, what is you know? There's certain songs that just remind you of events in your life. So, so occasionally I will have a haiku that like, this doesn't make any sense at all with this song, but that's just what was going on in my life at the time. So, right. It's again, there's very no, open. There's no rules. Do you have like any favorite haikus that you can read right now that, from memory? <laughs> no. No. All <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could I pick out a few, but I don't. I. I I don't. I haven't got any of them memorized. Right. <laughs> I don't even have the one I posted yesterday memorized. So they're not that hard to memorize. I know, by the way, but I just only. don't. <laughs> as far as writing a novel, since it was your first novel, yes. How hard was it to get it published? Was somebody interested right away? Like, how was that process for you? Um, I Did the Dooley thing taking photos of the first haiku book, book help like. Where does the audience come for a first-time novelist? Well, the 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 novel was before the haiku books existed, so haiku was the second. I yeah. thought it was haiku novel haiku no, nope. novel to haiku. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I so even even more relevant the, the the question. I thought about it a lot. Like I was determined to uh, put a book out, regardless of whether a publisher was interested or not. So that was the first thing. That's you know, that's was my thought while I was writing it. And I had saved some money up and I was just going to put it out regardless. But then, uh, the more I thought about it and the more, uh, in, as, as it came along and I like, this is really good. I should probably send it out to some people. But I, um, I sort of focused on, 
<coughs> uh, since it's such a Seattle book, and I sort of and 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 I looked to what what Seattle publishers there were, and you know, Fanographics uh, was really interesting because you know, you really they're most mostly known for um, for graphic novels. But the thing about, the, and the more I looked at their, their product is like, I just loved their artwork. I thought their packaging was amazing. I knew they were right there in town. And I had, and, um, and to me, it just made sense. Like I figured if I could get this in front of somebody at, at Fanographics and they just saw, and they saw the moment in time in Seattle that it captured that they, they would be, they wouldn't be able to say no. Um, then I was working, or I was working with um, this woman named Rachel Flotard, who is a musician. In this band called Vizqueen, but she started um, she started uh, managing artists. Um, she started she started a family, and she didn't want to tour anymore, so she started managing artists. And she is a beloved Seattle person. Like everybody loves her. I love her. And so I said, if I can get her to take this book in, um, then they'll probably look at it because everybody loves her. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> because if I go in there, I'm gruesome. I'm I'm not likable at all. I would hand it to him, and it would be on, it would be in a corner somewhere, gathering dust. So I'm gonna have. So she was like your book agent, basically. Yeah, she was my book pimp, and yeah. she took it in there, and uh, and and she's a she's a hell of a salesman as well. And they read it. And uh, gave me the thumbs up. Nice. It's a it's an infuriating little story for uh, a lot of writers because I know it takes I know it's it a, lot. a lot to get yeah. a book published and uh, just. And who who did you send chapters to read and f- give you feedback on? I I sent them to well you know. I that's actually how Rachel got um, got involved. I sent them to her because she is a uh, insanely nice person too, mm-hmm. and I wanted to make sh- sure that my that it wasn't too disgusting what I was writing. So I, I you know, I wanted to, there is like I wanted it to be filthy, but not grotesquely pornog- pornographic right so and, and there's a there's a fine line in there and and um and, and i think i straddled it well like it's, it's definitely that like that <laughs> second chapter that Dooley reads right, right. Is, a, is a good example of that and 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 that's the thing and you want to like you have to figure out who you're like anybody else like who, who your demographic is who who you who are you writing this for and I'm not. I'm definitely not writing it for other middle-aged ex junkies mm-hmm. because because we don't buy books. <laughs> but you know, th- there's there, uh, you know, and I figured you know the audience would be these these um, these rock and roll or these ex rock and roll chicks, you know, and 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 how like and it just made. When I imagined that as an audience while I was writing, it 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 made it it gave it gave Charlie gave Charlie substance, right? Like he's a, he is many many faults, but lovable somehow somehow all in there. 
and um, and so I sent I sent them to Rachel, and I sent them to I sent some to Greg to read, and just various so I could get some feedback because I, you know, like I said, first time book, and and you know, and a lot like social media, it's like I wanted some I wanted some input, mm-hmm. and and you know. I wanted an enthusiasm. I wanted some positive feedback. Yeah. And I, you know, that sending it to your friends is not really fair because they're going to give you positive feedback, but they'll also point out the things that are dumb. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's how I did it. And, and I had, you know, I had friends who would help me edit it along the way. So even by the time it was delivered to, to Fantagraphics, it was basically done. You know, they, they, they sent it to their, to their, to their person who, corrects grammar but even even that even the editing process like uh, almost they you know they had uh, they had a handful of things they wanted to change and I went in there and and presented a case why they shouldn't and they what did they want to change well I have I have some I have some run-on sentences in there that are purposeful right <laughs> like it's style yeah because you know if you're if you're uh, <clears throat> if you're writing as someone who's loaded then that's the way the sentence should appear, I think. So, right. so, um, the, and, and I'm a fan of the run, of the run on sentence. So are they, are they on board for the follow up, or, or would you reshop it? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, uh, I like, like I said, I love the packaging. I love, I love everything they did and, and the, I definitely would, but I don't, you know, by the time, by the time the the way the world changing, the way publishing is changing, I don't know what it's going to be like by the time I'm done with it. So, uh, I, I'm trying not to think about too too far ahead, you know. Um, and I did that, you know, I did it the first book too. Like I'm trying, I didn't I didn't think about an audio book or asking all my friends to to read it until until after I was done because all, all that stuff is just going to clog up my brain and I won't be able to write anymore. So. When, how think was about it marketing just yet. when it when it came out did you get good reviews and what was that like reading that kind of stuff or? it was great i think i i got like i read I, I got one really shitty review from some paper in seattle really and there's uh, always one seattle, of all places. seattle. well no it's because it's hard yeah. to be like a yeah. hero in your own town well, or whatever yeah. they say that there's a quote there yeah. or something but. and and uh uh and that was uh, that was hurtful and weird at the same time because it was so over the top, like it was so over the top hateful that I was like, "This guy just hates me." I don't right. Like, when what did I do? When it's <laughs> way over the top, it's less it's painful. Personal. Yeah. yeah, it's less painful than when it's just kind of like a mediocre review. Like exactly. when somebody goes in and's like zero star. I got a zero star <laughs> review once. I swear to God, I got a zero star review once. It was the only one too. Like other ones were like three, four stars. I had a zero star, and it was so great. Gra- graduation ceremony, really? yeah, that one? which is a really oh good my album. God. You know, it's like that was personal, right? Like when it's like I was like, you went too far, dude. Because it's like <laughs> you should have given me a two star review or something. That would have hurt. But zero stars, zero it's star. like. You, you yeah. got a vendetta, and this, yeah, this guy, the guy who 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 wrote that one, even somewhere in, I mean, I didn't, I read it one time. It's not like I didn't obsess about it, but somewhere in the in the review, he actually called me ugly, which really, uh, 
you're not which ugly. is debatable but uh <laughs> it's definitely debatable you're handsome but, but maybe I it's thought, like an ex-girlfriend in disguise but uh, yeah I, but I'm i like thought, what did that have once, to do with it once 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 i read and and i did like i did like Okay, who is this guy? Let me find out a little bit. I didn't really obsess any more than yeah, that. But Danny, like, his breath smells. He doesn't Lord. brush his teeth in the morning. And you can tell that from the words? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's funny. You can hardly see my face at all in the in the author picture. I can't believe. <laughs> so but, well, but when this was happening and your book was published yeah. and all that, were you like going like, I can't believe I pulled this off. I manifested this? Absolutely, like, yeah. I mean, that's such a big dream for so many of us. It was. And, and you know, and I was... You know, and I'm I've been a uh, <clears throat> I'm a stuck up snobby book collector. Like all my books are like hardbacks and first editions and all this other <laughs> stuff. And that was one of the things that when I went to uh, when I went to uh, Fantagraphics too, I said this I, it has to come out in hardback. Like I must have a hardback, even and I'll pay for one copy for that to happen. <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, and they did, they did a beautiful job with it. But uh, um, so. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable when you crack open that. I mean, because when you crack open that box with your books in it, it's just insane. And I and I had like a, I had the, a copy of it shipped out to somewhere where I was on tour, and I just remember opening it up, just going, "Jesus, this is it." Yeah. And yeah, it's what a feeling. Yeah, amazing. This is good motivation for us to turn it around on Monday. <laughs> we're on we're on a Sunday night right now. I need now. that feeling like, again. Yeah. I need that feeling. I'll be flying all day tomorrow, so you turn it around tomorrow. I'll turn it around Tuesday. Was this your first flight since the pandemic? No, I, I flew out here to do. Um, we made the 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 uh, JT Album. record here, so at, at Electric Ladies. So yeah. uh, I flew out and did that. <coughs> Actually, I flew down to Nashville, drove all the gear up here, and then we made the record for ten days, and then I turned around, and drove it back to. Drove it back to um, Nashville, flew home, but yeah, not nearly the amount of flights as I used to take or do traveling. You, do you know this guy Carl of Nasgard, who wrote these like six books called My Struggle or My Kampf or whatever? Like, no, you don't know this guy. <laughs> no, what is that? Come on, Danny. <clears throat> well, dig, dig deep. Carl of Nas Nasgard. He's a he. He writes this intense memoirs that are like six seven eight hundred pages each and there was like six seven volumes of them that sounds exhausting it is but they're they uh when, when did he write these books i don't know if you like i'm bad with time like i don't know last year recently <laughs> so, everything's so, last like year. like in know, the in the last in 10 the years. last 10 years so he and, I, wait, and he's so like norwegian norwegian yeah and he called it my 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 com for whatever but and they were like uh a, a huge hit like he became a superstar basically Is there more like uh, over there in uh, wherever you know in Norway or wherever I think it's Norway is he, is he in a is he in a death metal band or I don't think so no but he what it, it's he's an interesting writer is it black metal in Sweden I think you would, I think you you might get a kick out of it <coughs> I uh, it's 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 this wild methodical like every detail but something about it if you get into the flow of it it's really like it really takes takes you in there is there is something there is something to that and 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 i found that the you know the the devil in the details is uh is it for writing for me and and i think that's what makes 
that's what makes my book feel authentic. That's why people don't really ever ask if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. They're like, they just assume that it is because of the, the gory details. So devils in the details. So <laughs> yeah. what do you mean by that? Just keen. Well, like. well, and, and you know, if you're talking about his, his book and in, in the mythical, in the detail of it all, like it's, I yeah. can't remember, remember, um, I remember I read, I can't remember the author right now, but, um, I read a book where it opens up and he's the, the, the character, the main character is sitting or the only character is sitting in a prison cell and he's describing a drop of sweat falling off of his forehead. Mm -hmm. And it takes an entire chapter before it hits the ground. Right. Somehow he made that interesting. And I, I like, I don't aspire to it to that much detail, but like, but when I write something, I go back and look at it and go, how can I, how can I make this feel, feel more like just, we need, I need more details, more details. Like what did this smell like? What did the, you know, on and on and on. And that's, that's how you flush that shit out. Did you take like writing courses or anything like that? Or just from your own reading and writing? I, I'm, I am, uh, uneducated. (laughs) Do you do no, mo- uh, morning pages? You ever heard of that? The artist way? No. Uh-uh. Where you just wake up and you write three pages Mm-mm. first thing in the morning? No. Does that happen before coffee? <laughs> that's that's insane talk. <laughs> no, it does. Nothing happens before right. coffee. No, I I someone gave me a copy of the artist way and I never read it. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have higher learning. I don't I didn't I didn't go to college or anything. Um, Neither so, did I. So really, just I'm right there yeah. with you. Yeah, I just you know, I, f- I feel like if you, uh, I mean, everybody has it. Everybody has an interesting story. Maybe not their entire life is interesting, but you know, you can, like you, like you, if you have any older friends. And, and and maybe you know maybe you think like ah oh, I'm, I'm friends with this nice old couple and then uh, and then at, the more you get to know them the 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 details of their of their of youth their or kinky their, life comes or the out. crazy <laughs> shit that they've done in their time yeah <laughs> <coughs> you know so every everybody has an interesting story <laughs> yeah that reminds me of the Louis C K bit where he's like talks about like you don't really know your mom like right, exactly. you, you know yeah. but like it's like well, I was 22, and then 35 years later, something I married your dad, but there was this whole stretch of time between, like, what? A bunch know, of dicks in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the bit. That's the time that I'm interested in. You know, yeah. To me, that, yeah. that, that, that is where your book lies. Well, I guess the challenge is being brave enough to write your life. Or, or being uh, vulnerable enough to, you know, to talk about the parts that hurt. Right. Or, um, or the some of the things that are are n- n- not flattering, you know. Yeah. Like it, it in, in like I said for for Charlie in the book, like he is, he is lovable in spite of, of in spite of himself, and there's all sorts of detail there. You know, I mean, people ask people have asked me like, you know, about the what's true in the book and, and you'll say, well, let's say 90% of it's true. Well, the whole thing's true. 90% say 95% of it happened to me and I've stolen a couple of other people's stories. That's a good way of getting out of being in trouble for any details that are in your book too. Cause you can go, Oh, that was somebody else. But, um, 
the 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 being able to I mean it's easy to talk about the the cool rock and roll stuff you've done but it's it's the times that you were miserable you know that and 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 somebody somebody needs to hear about those times because somebody's going through it right you know? yeah that's another thing social media does teach you it's like when you do get brave enough to express something authentic in yourself especially if it is a struggle or something the amount of people that need that or like or appreciate that and then i'm the same way like if i'm going through a really dark time i'll go on like youtube and check out people talking about whatever situation i'm in you know narc videos you know like and and it helps man it really does it does you know and that's that that is the interesting thing about writing haiku on uh, because you know most of my social media is all wisecracks you know it's all right. stupid shit and it's being funny then i will and and some haiku are too but occasionally i'll i'll toss a one that Serious. will rip your fucking heart out right and um <laughs> and it's a weird you know it's a it's a weird thing for the casual observer to see you know they're like ah, you know you know uh satan and dick jokes and then all of a sudden like oh something from the heart <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> keeps it interesting. Yeah, and 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 you know, in that particular form of poetry, uh, it's so short and can you know a lot of a lot of people take different mean take meaning from it that I didn't even intend, mm. right? Because it's vague, because because uh, it has to be it's vague op- sometimes. Yeah, and and you know even <clears throat> I, I'll admit that occasionally I throw a piece of shit on there. Uh, just because I ran out of time, and but but regardless, sometimes there's some, eight words. Sometimes Do you I ever break that rule? No, never. I never break that. I knew you were going to say I that. Never break the rule. But uh, occasionally, I'll put one up there that I'm not really all that proud of, and then uh, but I'll always get a note saying that's my favorite one ever. And that, that, that one, that's what I needed to hear. Yeah. And I'm and I just go, I didn't say a goddamn thing. What do you mean? Yeah. I, when I was like checking out some of your stuff too, I heard you say that like haikus actually, um, the sort of was supposed to be the po- poetry form for the common man. Right. Isn't that interesting? Because I've always thought of it as like, even like hearing haiku, you're like, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's the one you can't do. Like you need to know something. That, well, I mean, that was the original <laughs> intention. You know, that's what the, the, the Japanese masters are so proud of. Right, but uh, um, that it's for everybody. That is, yeah. That it, you, that you don't. I mean, for how you know. And again, this is exposing my ignorance of the of the form that I'm supposed to be so good at. I don't know shit about it. Right, <laughs> but I do. I've, I've heard a few things. Yeah, the power <laughs> of vulnerability. Yes, it's what it's all about. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> That's funny though, because because of the way you sort of summed up summed it up. I thought that was the outro music all of a sudden playing. Like, oh well, great! Yeah. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for checking out. Come to where I'm from. How long have we been going? Ninety minutes. Oh, it was an hour and a half, give or take. Damn. What time's your flight tomorrow? Uh, not till five. What do you What do you like? What's your favorite thing to do in New York? 
There's nothing to do in New York. Well, I mean, like, see, but, walk my, but my favorite thing is just walking, walking around. around. So, uh, so I that thought. still exists, you yeah. know, like just walking. I, I do it all the time without, with, like, with n- with no uh, no agenda at all. Like, just start walking in this direction, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, like, hey, I, I you know, I'm walking the past. I'm walking past this, uh, you know, this is a club that Dylan played at, and just all these, you know. I mean, you're walking around New York City. You're you're going to find something interesting. Yeah. Or maybe killed. I don't know. Nah. Not anymore. Well, maybe it's gotten a little bit spookier. Not in these parts of the woods. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, man, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really. I'm so glad it worked out. Inspired to. Uh, <laughs> You know, you've added extra fuel. I was already going to get my le- my shit together starting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like also going to write. Well, I'm going gonna to check up on you. So, All right. you know, if, you, if you don't have your shit together by this time next week. Next time <laughs> oh, it's going to be together. You're going to hear I'm going to have shorts on every every morning. <laughs> running. Like running through Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Bland in shorts. I'm All sure right. there was a period you were in shorts running, but. No, you know. never. Nope. Any final questions? Uh, no. Just tell people who might not know where to get your books, where they could get your books. Hmm. Well, you other than the nine hundred and seventy dollar one on Amazon. Yeah, you don't want that one. You can go to so so. Uh, in case we die is on Fanographics, so you can go to you can go to Amazon or you can go to Fanographics.com. Regular price. Regular price. Uh, and then um, it's a common folk price. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, uh, I apologize in advance for the awful things I'm going to do. Is um, that was uh, Sub Pop put that out. And wow. so you might be able to go to their website and still find one. And uh, and then my latest is called We Shouldn't Be Doing This. And you can find that on the revolutionartshop.com. Nice. Nice. Do you ever think about like doing a collaboration with musicians where you read haikus and do like a recording that way? Because you do have a great voice, actually. Oh, you, I, uh, uh, thank you. I did. What did I do? Steve, you know who Steve Fisk is? Yeah, I know the producer name. and musician in Seattle. When I, um, when uh, in case we die first came out, I did a thing with him and his band at uh, uh, at Bumbershoot, where mm-hmm. I just read uh, a chapter and he just improv behind yeah. it. And it that was pretty well. great. Yeah, it would. Uh, I mean, it's nothing I'd want to take on tour because it's. I think it could be hit or miss, and I, I happened to hit it that one time, so maybe I should just leave it leave it right. at that. <laughs> right. Do you like any of the beats, or do you like Kerouac, or any of that kind of stuff? I like, uh, yeah, I like, I like uh, um, Ginsburg um, a little more than Kerouac. Um, this is a test, by the way. Is it? Yeah, this is my test. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel the same. I feel the same We're way. We're gonna have some hot sex tonight, Danny. <laughs> I feel the by same. I was, I was hoping you would say Ginsburg. <laughs> Ginsburg. I, I feel the same way Kerouac as I do uh, uh, with the Queens of the Stone Age. There's just something a little too testosterone-y about the whole thing, and you know, I liked it when I was a kid. Right. But reading it again later on, I was like, mm, I'll go for your your. Your Lawrence Ferenghetti's or your your Allen Ginsberg. I like it a little more gay. Yeah, Coney Island of the Mind. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kerouac had the gay side, I think. I don't know. I don't know. What about Bukowski? I like. Um, you know, the thing about Bukowski is there is Ham on Rye is good. Well, there's like f- there's like f- f- four different Bukowski versions of them. Like right. I like the. 
I like the young suicidal one. Right. <coughs> like I like the like rooming house mandigles mm-hmm. part or um and then later on, you know, some of the books are just like, uh, you know, got up, I took a shit, I went to the racetrack, <laughs> fucked this chick. And drank and, a beer. Yeah, there you go. I was like, okay. The end. <laughs> That's fine, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, but, what was I was thinking of? Oh, like, I like uh, Barry Gifford a lot. He wrote um, Wild at Heart. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, I like I like his books because they really they and I and if I get off my lazy ass and finish this, it's sort of the same thing where you have re- recurring characters throughout a, se- a series of books. I like the way he did that, and uh, um, somebody else I don't know. Ever he ever read Newt Hampson? I have, yeah. That it's one hu- it's called Hunger. Mm-hmm. An intense book. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Poppy's gonna name every single book he's read now. <laughs> you ever heard of That's it. That's the end of the list. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you. We'll Danny. wrap it up. <laughs> See you guys later. Thanks for tuning Have in. Have a safe flight, Danny. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>